before I begin, one thing I want to tell you is that 52 weeks are over. Even if you were not regular during this whole year 2020, I've tried the grace of God to give you in nutshell these four teachings. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you can roughly put those eight hours or seven hours together, even if you missed the whole year, okay, whole year, it was revision, 2020, this including today's, you would get in nutshell what we taught. Okay, so I would encourage everyone, take time, listen to these eight, four messages, and then go back and keep, if you did not listen at all, you want to catch up, if you want to catch up, because you have to do your homework, have to do your work. You have to revise. The most important exam is this exam, not any other exam. So, Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, with thanksgiving. We just thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you, Lord. We pray, Father, that when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. In all of us, little faith, mustard seed faith, big faith, large faith, but we will, you will find faith, Lord. That you won't be disappointed. If you come to our church, you come to GDC Hyderabad, you go to GCT, GTC Jamshedpur, if you go to GTC Ranchi, GTC New York, anywhere in the world, different places, I don't want to name the names here, any one of our churches, and all those who are joined with us in the Spirit, you will find faith. That the word of God that we preached, the word of God they heard, the word of God they studied was not in vain. That the grace they received was not in vain. That no one came short of the grace of God. Because their faith was genuine. So this morning, Lord, this final session from here for this year, from this pulpit of office, I pray, Lord, you will touch us once again. Quicken. Quicken our inner man. An excitement and a hunger to receive the bread of God. The word of God. The very life of God that comes through faith. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Sammy, I'm, I'm okay. My sound is okay. now. You all can hear, right? You can hear. We turn this morning. Ramba, this is it what we were doing the whole year. Rise up and build. Rise up and build. Okay. We are building our own lives. We are building our homes, our churches, above all. In it, it all comes in that big picture, the kingdom of God. Okay. So we turn to James chapter 1 and verses 1 to 8. James, a bond servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven 
and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In verse 1, you need to understand why so many people, so many, why so many people struggle with the word of God within the ambit of the church, the four walls of the church, any church. Why do they struggle with the church, with the, with the word of God? The reason is the word of God is written to the family of God. James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. They say, if I'm right, this James is Jesus' half-brother. Okay? The man who never sat in any of his meetings when he was alive. Never sat in any of his meetings when he was alive. And then got saved afterwards. Okay? And now he doesn't call him I, James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He says, no, a bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows who his half-brother in the flesh is, is his Lord. Okay, And he writes this letter to those 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, meaning to the Jewish believers. He's writing to the Jewish believers everywhere. He's writing to them. So the word of God is written to the children of God. Okay, children. And one of the one of the primary ways you know you're a child of God is you will read the letters of your father. Okay, you will letters of your father. You listen to those letters. You listen to his words. And when you are outside that family, like let us say, I have a letter, and my father wrote to me. I still have my he's my father's last letter to me. He wrote it in 1993 December. It's still there in my folder. His final letter. Okay, so what happens is, if I were to drop that letter on the road and go, somebody finds it, he finds it of no interest. Because he's not related to the person who wrote it. And we need to realize this is important. Because if you are related to God by birth, as many as you received him, he gave them the power, the authority to become the children of God. So if you are by birth, by being born again, a child of God, your reaction to the word of God will be different because you know my father is speaking. Whichever way, sometimes children get irritated with their father's voice. Instructions. Sometimes they are excited. But there's a various gamut of emotions connected and reaction. It's because you are related. So remember, James is writing to the family of God. So it is written to us. And greetings. Okay, My brethren, now it changes. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, the last thing <laughs> you count joy is trials. When we were all children, what did we, what did we write to our parents? Now, why don't you send me a money order so that I know you are well? Oh, that letter. We always went that letter. If it was in what you call inland letter, joy was little. But it was a cover. We knew there was a draft inside. 
the joy was different you know you don't know you kids are a different generation paytm and this thing we were a different generation we knew the difference between the letter from the same person that blue one is an inland letter that is only communication that envelope registered postman looks for you and you look for the postman you know there was something inside the joy was different what was there there was money in it you knew the dd has come okay so what do we count joy blessings right money order so many things in life no health and wealth no that's why we like all those messages because we count them as joy but you know miracle service everybody runs strength and power service everybody runs trial service <laughs> okay trial testing and temptation service nobody will go nobody will go because the same word is translated in different ways trials testings temptations okay who wants trials not only just trials various trials diverse trials all kinds of trials trials are different the trial of a bachelor is different from the trial of a married man the trial of a single woman is different from the trial of a married woman the trial of a child is different from a teenager various kinds all kinds of trials the trial of a shepherd is different from the trial of a sheep the trial of a shepherd while preaching is how to get his message the trial of the sheep is how long will i bear him <laughs> the word also means temptation remember temptation but not temptation here in that way not in the term way we look at temptation okay because you need to realize god will never tempt anybody to sin it's a absolute no no so god don't ever when you fall say god made me do that no he doesn't in james chapter 1 and verse 13 is absolutely clear what does it say let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone okay so god does not tempt anybody to evil he never does he never does he will not the devil tempts us God never tempts us. God will allow testings, he will God will trials, all that he will. But he never tempts anybody to evil. He will not. So when the Bible is talking about here, if it uses the word temptation in some translation, it is talking about a trial or a test, okay? You can be tested in an exam and be tempted to cheat. what is the difference god will test you in a trial and the devil will tempt you to cheat in it okay that's how it happens okay because if god tempts any man to sin that is to evil then the immediate answer is who can resist god no one <laughs> no one can so even try you don't then you can't even try to resist temptation or you can't even flee temptation if god is the one who is tempting you because who can flee from him okay so he does not tempt anybody to do evil so it is not talking about temptation it is talking about the testing of our faith okay testing of our faith 
in Corinthians 13.5. That's what we've been doing in these four days. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Okay, Examine yourself. Whether you are in the faith. Not whether you are of the faith. I am of the faith before I got saved. But what are you Christian? Of the faith. But I was not in the faith. I was not in the faith. Okay? Yeah. Not off in the faith. Are you in the faith? Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Christ Jesus is in you? How do you know you are in the faith if Christ Jesus is in you? Not outside of you. That's what happened to the last day's church. Jesus is knocking. They are of the faith. They are not in the faith because they are talking about Jesus. But Jesus is outside, not inside. The first six churches, he's inside. The last church, he's outside. And that's what has happened to the final day's church called Laodicea. Jesus is inside. That's why we of the last days should test our faith more than any generation. Because faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Because ultimately the only thing that matters is, is my faith real? I believed in Jesus. But was my faith in Jesus real? Genuine? Like I said, the only thing that matters is, did you believe in my son? Not an intellectual belief, a real, genuine belief. Because there's only one road to heaven. One way to heaven. And multiple ways to hell. Narrow path to heaven. Broad way to hell. Only one way. Absolutely one way. Okay. So we have to be very, very sure our faith is genuine. That my faith. So what does God do in his mercy, in his kindness, in his goodness? He keeps on testing our faith so that we will know that I know that my faith is genuine. It is genuine. Okay. And the more your faith is tested and you come through, you grow in confidence and boldness in God. We become bold in God because now we know God. And the Bible says, they who know God shall do great exploits. Okay. So that is the whole idea. Okay, so faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. So we go back to James chapter 1, verse 2, right? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, verse 3, because, what does it do? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Different words are used in different translations. You can use any one of these three. Okay, and all are important. All are connected. Patience, endurance, perseverance. They are all similar, but slightly different. Okay, but all are there in this word. The testing of your faith produces. Not necessarily, meaning if your faith is genuine, it produces. If it is not genuine, it produces impatience. <laughs> if it is genuine, it produces patience. It produces patience. Meaning, you cannot learn patience or endurance or perseverance unless your faith is tested. You won't. You won't learn. You won't get it. Okay. In First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, you man of God, flee these things. What is it talking about? It's talking about temptation. It's, talking about, it's not talking about testing. Temptation. Okay. 
You don't have to, uh, God does not test you with temptation. All you have to do with temptation is flee. Flee temptation. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 22, what does Bible say? You flee. When it comes to temptation, the only answer God gives is flee. You don't have to be patient in temptation. You don't have to persevere in temptation. You don't have to endure in temptation. No, he just says flee. But when it comes to trials or testing, God says you have to endure. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. You have to persevere through it. Don't try a shortcut. Don't. Because if you and I are not going to possess patience or endurance or perseverance, we are not going to learn anything of any value in this life or the next life. Everything that is of value in life is learned through patience. You want to be a musician, keyboard. Why did many of us who tried to give up? Because we simply did not have the patience to finish it. It is not easy. Not easy. You have to be patient with it. You have to endure through the process. Anything. Anything. Any skillful man or woman in any capacity, anywhere. Not the one who came through shortcuts, but who came through that long cut. You will know one thing they had was they had patience. They had patience. They endured it. They fought for it. They fought themselves. Okay? So we have to endure. If you come to John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to. You went to open song. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What does it mean? He says, I overcame all the tribulation. In the world, what will you have? Tribulation. That is, when do you have tribulation? If you are trying to seek God and the ways of God, you will have tribulation in this world. But Jesus said, I overcame. So the question is, how did you overcome? And what was the result of your overcoming? He said, I overcame in patience. With endurance. With perseverance. I overcame. He didn't try any shortcuts. The father did not give him any shortcuts. He said, I overcame. I overcame in patience. I overcame. I mean, think about Jesus waiting for 30 years to preach his first sermon. When he is the word. He, that is patience. That is patience. He is the word of God. At the age of 12, he flummoxed the scribes in the temple. He could have preached his first sermon there in the temple. Do you know who I am? Let me give you a lecture among the word. You are all sitting here and arguing. I will give you some interpretations which will blow your mind off. He didn't know any of those things. <laughs> 30 years of patience. The greatest preacher ever. The incarnate word to preach his first sermon. Okay, That is patience. Patience. Okay, It's a, it's a divine virtue. Okay, so how did he overcome? How did he overcome? He overcame through patience, through endurance, through perseverance. So God says, consider it great joy when you're going through trials. Not because of the trials, because it is producing something which is divine, which is godly, which is godly. There's something about God. Some one 
part of his facet of his character. What is it? It is patience. He's incredibly patient. How do you know? That's why I am alive and you are alive. And we were not consumed because of our iniquities or sin because he's incredibly patient with us. The very reason we are here on the 31st of 2020 and we are not consumed much, much, much earlier is because he's patient. He's, he's not like us fathers who are very impatient. He's very patient. If one thing fathers need is patience. Lord of patience. What one thing shepherds need is patience with sheep. The job of a shepherd is to transform a goat into a sheep. And for that you need a lot of patience. And every child, when the child is born, including this cute one sitting over here, is born a goat. Maybe a lamb, but a goat lamb. I don't know what you call a lamb goat. I don't know, kid I think. You call it a kid, yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's a kid, okay. Yeah, kids. <laughs> That's why they are called kids, <laughs> okay. That's why they are called kids. But they have to be made into Lambs, they have to be made into lambs, okay? That's, that's, a, it's, you need a lot of patience. Lot of patience. Lot of patience. Incredible patience. Because sometimes you just want to take their heads and bang it on the wall. But when you see them, how are you, honey? Hanging in there? <laughs> okay. When will this get into your thick skull? You never say that. You never say that. <laughs> okay. So what do you need? You need faith. What faith do you need? You need enduring faith. Ah, that is what you need. Can your faith endure? The tests and the trials? If 2020 was bad, tomorrow I shall welcome you to 2021. 2021. Okay, 2021. And 2022 and 2023. It's not going to be easy because he said it so. I'm not prophesying. I don't have to prophesy what is already written. <laughs> I don't have to prophesy. It's already written. Things will be so bad. No November, no October. I'm finishing off in September itself. Closing the calendar. Okay. There will be one year in the year of humanity where there is no New Year's Eve celebration. Because he'll shorten that year. He says, no. If I were to keep it till 30, December 31st, nobody will be alive. They would be finished because of the trials. That is the nature of it. So if you have to sustain, if you have to come through it, what do you need? What do I need? We need enduring faith. We need patience. The faith that has patience. We need that faith that perseveres. So let us look at Luke 17, not look at 17.5. This is the cry of the apostles. Lord, increase our faith. They should have said, Lord, make our faith strong. There's an increase. What I, you need to do is not increase your faith. Make your faith strong. Okay, that's what you have. A, you have. You have a wire here. Okay, wire here. Now, if you want to connect this wire to a generator, it will blow up. So Samuel will not say, Pastor, I need to buy 200 meters more wire. No, he said, I need a thicker cable thicker cable. This cable will burn off. He doesn't need a longer cable. He needs a stronger cable. So when you mean increase, it doesn't mean in quantity. It means in 
quality. I need strong faith, the faith that will endure. So God, when he gave us a measure of faith, what is he trying to do? He's not trying to increase the quantity. He's trying to increase the quality. Stronger and stronger and stronger, stronger. So it is like the gym. You go for a month, two months, and the trainer will give you weights. After you're crossed, you will say, that's not, you're very comfortable. After some time, you get very comfortable with that 5 kilo, 10 kilo. You're very comfortable. But he's not comfortable. He says, okay. And then another day, he puts two more things onto it. Now it is not 10 kilo, it is 15 kilo. And all your comfort is gone. (gasps) Increase. Increase. And then when you get comfortable with 15, he adds two more slots. And (gasps) you're gasping. But you realize, you know what? You are increasing. You are increasing. You are able to bear more pressure. More pressure. More pressure. Okay? That's what God is talking about. In Matthew 24, 13, let's go through that list. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 verses. Quickly. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay, it's not talking about salvation, as in salvation of being saved, but being saved for a crown. Finishing victoriously. He who endures to the end can lose your salvation also. I'm not saying, okay, people will say, how can you and all, but let me say, let me say, for all these years, ministry, everything, faith, believing and all, and the last minute persecution gets really bad in India, then you hold a gun to my head and says, deny Christ, and I look at it and say, okay, it's not worth it, okay, I don't accept Christ anymore, I deny him, I will become whatever you say. A lot of people have done it. In history, plenty of people denied. We hear the stories about those who didn't, but we haven't the stories of the millions who did, who recanted, who gave up and went to the world. So it's okay, it's not worth it. Though they followed for a season, very long season, but when it came to the trials went higher and higher, they couldn't bear it and they gave up. Okay, so we are talking about it. We are talking about it. Luke 21 19. By patience, possess your souls. Because salvation is not the salvation of your body. Salvation is the salvation of your soul. And you will get a body that fits your soul. You probably will get a new body who are saved. But the body, the glory of that body will differ. It depends upon the status of your soul. Your soul will determine your body in heaven. Please remember that. As stars differ from glory, so will the saints. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Faith is good. And there are works of faith. And they are always good works. Doesn't matter what people say. It is irrelevant what people say. Every work of faith is a good work because it is attested by God. Because it is done only by hearing from God and by the power of God which is called grace. So every work of faith is a good work. Good work. Even though the world will condemn it, it is a good work. So God says do not grow weary. Don't grow weary. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Like, imagine a child who comes from an unbelieving family, goes to church every week, okay, and has to face hostility at home. It is condemned by the family, but still goes. And the whole family and neighborhood thinks it is a very bad work. It is a good work. One day it will be attested by God. It was a good work. It's a good work. 
Hebrews 6, 10 and 12. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do ministers. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You have to finish that till the end. And Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere to the only church, the promise is given. But I'll keep you from the trial, hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. What are they asked to do? Persevere. Persever. I know you're good. You have very little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. That is good, but it's not over. Continue doing it till the very end. Continue doing it. Persevere in these things and I will protect you because what is he talking about? What was the whole purpose of these trials and tests is to create the character of Christ. Once the character is created, there is no point in putting you through the trial anymore. That's what God is saying. A trial is coming upon the whole earth, but you don't have to go through it because the purpose of the trial is already fulfilled in you. I'm telling you honestly, like you know, I was giving the example in the other meeting, and that when you give a surprise test to your class, okay, 10 minutes, take a paper, this thing, and you, it's a very simple test. It is actually meant for those who are struggling. A couple of them who are sitting over there said, you don't bother. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. because This is nothing for you. You don't have to do that. But it's for the rest. That's what God is saying. So little fear. You have come. Hang in there. You have come to your point where you will not have to go through tribulation. I will take you. Because you have come through. God doesn't test us without purpose. On the purpose achieved, the, the test finishes. The Bible doesn't say Joseph languished in prison all his life. There was a time. When the purpose of God is achieved, he is released. Immediately released. And he cannot release himself. He tried to release himself by telling, will you the Pharaoh, will you put in a word for me? He went and straight away forgot. Who made him forget? God made him forget. Because it was not time for him to come yet. Another two years he had to wait. At God's appointed time, suddenly out of nowhere the Pharaoh dreams. Interprets. This man remembers. This guy interprets. He's free. Because he's achieved God's purpose. So please understand. Purpose. God doesn't, he's not a, he's not a joy killer. He's not what you call a sadist who gets so much pain, so much joy from inflicting pain upon his children. No, he doesn't. He does not. God gets angry, but he does not sin. We get angry and sin. Sometimes as parents, we punish our children in anger. God doesn't. He never does it. He only punishes our behavior. Sometimes, you know, a lot of stuff in families that is happening is all misdirected anger. They're inflicting pain on each other and they're angry and they sin. God never does that. When God disciplines his children, and be sure he's got a very calm, cool, controlled mind. He's not angry. Not angry. Never angry. He's angry with the wicked, not with his children. Never. That's why he says, even when you've fallen, fallen so badly, come boldly. <laughs> Don't be afraid, come boldly. I'm not angry with you. I'll discipline you. But I'm not angry with you. I'm not angry. That's that's David. He understood God. He said, I know God is not mad with me. I'm mad at myself. God is not mad at me. 
I know he will take me back. I know he will whack the daylights out of me. But that's okay. <laughs> I still want to go back to him. Okay, I want to go back to him. Understand these fundamental principles. A lot of young parents are there. A lot of young parents are there. If you are angry, don't punish your child. Just go inside, calm yourself, come out and then talk to your child. You know what you did? It was wrong. Look in the eye and say, you know what? Daddy is very upset. With me? No, with what you did. Very upset with what you did. With you? No. You know. That's what it means, unconditional love. With you? Never. I will love you to the uttermost. Very upset with what you did. That's how God deals with his children. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody's watch to me go to back to the next verse. Verse 2. <laughs> so, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What is the proof of enduring faith? Everything has proof, right? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Otherwise, what is the point? I've seen many puddings on YouTube. <laughs> Only made me mad. <laughs> Not glad. If a pudding makes you glad, that means you are eating it. Right? So what is the proof of enduring faith? A faith that is overcoming. It's joy. It's a joy. That's how you know. See, God doesn't give you a question without an answer. Right? You have to look at a question like in invigilation, like in board exams. The invigilator is not your teacher. It's somebody who's been given an answer paper to just has a number. Your name is not there. So he has a set of questions and a set of answers. Because all the invigilators have to mark in the same way. So they not only have the question paper, though they may be teaching the same subject, they also have the answer. So they have the question, they look at the answer, and they see if you have written it. So God doesn't give you a question without an answer. He says, how do you know? That you have enduring faith in the trials. He says, how do you respond? Check how you respond. This is the way you need to respond. Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Romans 5.3 Not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Why do you glory in tribulations? Because it produces perseverance. It's a glory. It's a glory. Glory is connected with joy. Right? You studied and 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 then one day when the result comes, boy, boy, there's a glory, right? Glory, you know, there are certain like, glories you never forget, right? Certain glories in your academic career, where can you forget, right? right? I still remember my glorious point after class, then you go to college and all from different schools sitting over here. Whatever subject you do, whatever marks you do, ultimately what matters is in India, English. We are, we are, we are, that's a British hangover, no? Our colonial hangover, right? Our colonial hangover is there, no? So, sir will come and says, okay, everybody is 60 plus, between 60 and 70, stand up. 60, 70, stand up. 70, 75, stand up. 75, 80, stand up. So, number is getting lesser and lesser. 80, 80 to 90, stand up, he says. Then 80 to 90 to 95, stand up. Then he looked, you didn't stand up. He says, how much did you get? I said, I'm first in the state. <laughs> he said, what? You're first in the state? I said, yes. <laughs> that was glory. <laughs> that was glory. It was the result of reading tens and thousands of books before you finished class 10. Just English. Okay. So it took a lot of pain and effort. 
though it was fun. Okay, because it was English. Abigail, when she tops in math, Vijay, Master Vijay will jump. Okay, because that is pain. Okay, so you know, produces glory. Glory. Joy you have, and the joy your instructor has. Oh, that year my school teachers only talked about me. Though there were others who had higher marks than me. Because one guy, you know, like, oh, James, oh, they called me Santosh, they didn't call me James. No. Who is your instructor? The Holy Spirit. Okay, so the teacher and the student rejoices. Okay, we glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations. Second Corinthians 7, 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our... In second letter to Corinthians, his tone is different. First letter tone was different. Second Corinthians, they understood. They went through a soul searching as a church. They went through a lot of pain and they made the corrections. And it is no longer my tribulations. It is our tribulations. You have understood. He's saying, our tribulation. Exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations. It's very painful. Church discipline can be very painful. And they went through that pain. They got the matter corrected. They brought restoration. It was a painful event. And he says, our tribulations. It is like the prodigal son coming back home. The prodigal son suffered in the world in the pig pen. The father suffered seeing the, not seeing his lost son. So when they both came together, both are rejoicing. The son by coming home and the father who are getting it. But both went through tribulation. Different kinds. One because he was lost and the other because he had to lose him. Okay. Tribulation. First Thessalonians 1 6. This is a Gentile city where they got saved and persecution from community, family, the religious system, everything. You became followers as us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Much affliction. With the joy of the Holy Spirit. You received the word in much affliction, but you had the joy of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, I forgot who it is. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. I added my to my line to it. But joy is a choice. It's a choice. Pain is inevitable. That's what Job said. As man is, as, uh, what is that? Sparks go up. Is man born to trouble? Pain is inevitable in this life. It doesn't matter who you are. However you are born. Okay, you may think the kings know. Uneasy lies the head on which that wears the crown. Okay, there was a Greek story about the servant of the king which saying, you have such a good life, you have such a good life, such a good life. I wish I could be king for a day. King said, okay. Tomorrow you are king. Tomorrow you are king. And he was king. Whole day was tension only. Because trouble, 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 trouble. Reporting. Every co- person is coming and reporting trouble. Then he said, okay, at least I will eat well and go to sleep. He ate well. When he went to sleep in the king's bed, he saw a strange sight. Just above the king's head is a sword hanging on a thread. He is not able to sleep at all. Next day morning, he said, I don't want to be king. 
He said, what happened? You didn't sleep well. He said, the bed was comfortable, the pillow was, I couldn't sleep at all because I could see this. He said, that is the life of a king. Because he knows life and death is in his hands and he has to live in the light of it. Okay. Nobody, nobody. So pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. But, Pastor James' addition, joy is a choice. Brethren, count it all, not some trials, most trials, all trials, count it as joy. The question is, how can I be joyful in suffering? Because I am suffering for the right cause, for the cause of righteousness. Not all suffering in the world. It's told to us. Different people suffer for different causes. But those causes are not righteous. They may think it is righteous, but it is not righteous. Righteous has to be from God. Suffering because of the king, for the cause of the king. In Matthew 5 verses 10 to 12, can I have that's the next one? And then we will go to the other. Matthew 5 verses 10 to 12, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who are those? Blessed. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Not just falsely. For my name's sake. For my sake. Because you represent me. Because my name is upon you. Because you are a genuine believer. They do all this to you. What are you supposed to do? God says, rejoice. That is the thing. Rejoice. See, when there is a command, there is a response. If you Keep the command, but don't respond. The power of God stops. It cannot come. It cannot come. Okay. When I'm when I'm persecuted for the kingdom's sake, for His sake, if I don't rejoice and say, "I will suffer this, I will bear this," the power of God doesn't come. It didn't come to Elijah. It didn't come to John the Baptist. It came to Paul and Silas. All three went through the same situation. The power of God came into the prison in Paul and Silas because they did exactly what the Word of God says. That is faith. They rejoiced and they were exceedingly glad. And in all his letters, in the prison, wherever he's going through, he will always talk about his joy in suffering. And the presence of God was always with him. Elijah has to be woken up in his tribulation, taken 40 days later to the presence of God because his response, he could not experience the presence of God. John the Baptist needed an answer saying, your response is wrong. Go back to the word and see what the word say about me. It was referred back to the word. But Paul and Silas, no, came the power of God came into the, prison, into the prison because of their response. The response was according to the word. In Hebrews 10.34, talks about situation then and 2,000 years it has happened. For you had compassion on me in my chains. And joyfully, how did you? <laughs> Because of your faith, the system comes and takes your job, takes your confiscates your house, your material goods, everything. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. When the Maoists took over China, ask about the Christians. The Christians were very prosperous. They're like, like in Kerala, you go over to Kerala, Christians are very prosperous. Because education gives you an edge, an advantage. We were the first state into which the missionaries came in hundreds of years ago. So we have an added advantage. We have English education everywhere, convents and everything. The government schools give you will give you a run for your money to the best private schools in Kerala. They are so good. 
so good. Education is kept on it. Like it's the only state which is 100% literate. So we had an advantage. And that advantage also brought wealth. And the wealth also brought destruction. Alcohols, the Christians are all alcoholics over there. Too much money. Too much money. But when faith came in, when the Maoists came into China, the Christians were... Mao, that's why uh, Watchman Nee was in prison. What was Watchman Nee's sin? He was... A Christian, not just a Christian, an industrialist. He had money. So they confiscated everything. All his possessions and they put him in prison. And he died in prison. How many years was he in prison? 21 years. What was his fault? Rich Christian. Not just Christian, rich Christian. So he's bullshit. He cannot be trusted. He's a threat to the proletariat. So he was put in prison. Out of that prison, like Paul, he wrote his letters. What letters they are. What letters. But you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. If such a state comes to us, how will we react? You lose your job. They confiscate your property. They take. Happened in, for 2000 century years, it has happened in all nations when hostile dispensations came in. This came in. And God says, how will your faith end you? Will your faith endure? Do you have that enduring faith? Why? And the reason? Because you know your hope. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourself in heaven. God is not leaving you without hope. He God says, if you lose your possession for how many years? How many years did watchman he lose his possession? 21 years, right? And for how many eternity he will have a mansion in heaven? And joy un- unbelievable. Rewards unbelievable. God says, look at it that. And that's what Paul says. Transitory afflictions. Momentary afflictions. He calls it. Why did this compare to eternity? Nothing. That's the reality of faith in which you live in. So whenever God promises something, whether it is bad or good, it is forever and ever. <laughs> they will burn in the lake of fire forever and ever. And they shall joy on his right hand forever and ever. They shall reign for Ever and ever. Not rain for four years. This is not a democracy. There are no term limits in heaven. You will rain forever and ever. Ever and ever. You will walk in that. And that is what we need to ask. Do I have that? Do I have that? So Paul and Silas in Acts 16 and verse 25 were singing. <laughs> Beaten, thrown, chains, legs in stocks. Everybody prays. But the problem, difference was that they were singing hymns. They were of the caliber of Pastor Vijay, not me, chorus. They were singing hymns. <laughs> they were hymns. But I will survive better in heaven because today prisoners don't understand hymns. Choruses they understand. <laughs> okay. And the prisoners were listening to them. They had never ever probably experienced anything like this. People singing in the midst of tribulation. And they heard and the power of God came in. That's what God is saying. You're all going through your own issues. Everybody has something. Everybody has something. And God says, are you singing? Sarah, when you do your homework, sing and do. Okay, when it's a tough homework, sing and do it. Okay, okay, sing. Especially when it is math and all. Mommy's daddy says, mommy says, sit and work. Sing and do it. Okay, you will see. And then you will see, you can grow up that way. Everybody has their own trial testing and don't... Okay. But whatever you do, do it singing. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The apostles were persecuted. 
they were prosecuted and persecuted. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I love that. Can you suffer shame for his name? Do you think you are worthy? We think we, if we are worthy, we should not suffer shame. That's how we think in this world. In the kingdom, it's different. Lord, do you count me worthy to suffer shame for your name? Am I worthy for that? For your name? To suffer shame for your name? Counted themselves. This is an attitude. This is the test of enduring. Okay, shame for his name. They were singing. They were not whining. They were not saying, poor me. Next one, verse 4, James. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Perfect here means not perfect, imperfect. Imperfect, perfect, it means mature. Okay, now you go to a tree. You see fruit. Some are green, some are little more colored, and then you see the ripe one. Which one will you pick? The ripe one. Okay, that's what the Bible says in the in the house of God. If somebody is a novice, a young believer, don't give him responsibility because he is unripe, not mature. Maturity matters. He says, if you allow these trials, testing, and you go through it in patience, that is the only way you will become mature for God to use you. God to really, really use you. God puts you through this process so that you reach maturity. That's what perfection means over there. It is not talking about sinless perfection. It's not talking about sinless perfection. It is talking about maturity. What does it mean? Honestly, if you really want to grow, you will only grow under stress. Where there is no stress, there is no growth. Right? You want to play the guitar? Just loosen it and play it. It won't be music. Okay. You want to play the drums? Loosen the leather, no music. You want to shoot an arrow, untie the, the string and try it, it is going nowhere. You want to achieve anything, it will, you need stress. Where there is no stress, there is no result, genuine result. Okay. So, yeah, But remember in all this, this is not talking at a general principle in the world. This is talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is that you always have to remember when I am going through this, the hand of God is there. He is watching me. He is not leaving me alone. I am not alone in this. He is watching me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. That's what the unbeliever who goes through tribal does not know. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay, He will show you the way where you will stand under without breaking. Why do people break? Because they don't have God. Or they did not seek God. They did not understand God. If you know that God is, that's why 13 years Joseph did not break. When did, in his running from away Saul, when did David break when he took his eyes off God and looked at this enemy? If it goes like this, Saul will one day, boom, he started sinking before he knew he was in the Philistine territory. When did Peter sink in the water when he took his eyes off God? Okay, so keep your eyes. God is faithful. 
God, even if I'm unfaithful, God is faithful. God's nature never changes. The Bible says, even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. So keep your eyes on him who is faithful, who will not allow you. So don't say, this is too much for me. No, it's not. If you're a child of God, it is not. It is not. You have to go to the word of God and say, Lord, I need strength to bear it. Show me what I need to do here. What I need to do here. That's that's the truth. Psalm 121, verse 3. He will not allow your foot to be moved, for he who keeps you will not slumber. Oh, I fell. I think God was asleep. God says, no, I don't even slumber. My eyes are watching my children 24-7, better than any CCTV camera. You can have a 100 CCTV camera, but you need people to monitor each screen. If they And they have to keep shifts, otherwise the fellow will fall asleep. My God does not fall asleep. He says, my eyes are always upon you. I will not let your foot to be moved. But you have to keep your eyes on me. The problem is that God's eyes are always on us, but our eyes are not on God. That's the issue. Faith keeps its eyes on God. It's the only way you can keep your eyes on God. Hebrews 2.10 about Jesus. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. Perfect doesn't mean sinless, because he was always sinless. He was born, he was born sinless, lived sinless, died sinless. Okay, our sin was put on him, he was sinless. Otherwise he can't be a perfect offering. So here it means the salvation perfect means he was brought to maturity. Maturity. He had to bring to that maturity through sufferings. Okay, it's not talking about making him perfect, sinless. He was always sinless. Okay, puff, mature. In Psalm 4.1, I want KJV. Okay, the Bible says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved my distress. No. I had put KJV there, right? Yeah, just see that. Only one I gave KJV in the whole list. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Ah. God's purpose of distress is to enlarge me. You have to always see. That's what I said. We say it a hundred times in church. God is good all the time. The problem is God is good all the time whether we believe or not. The question is do you believe? If you believe then in distress his idea is to enlarge on me and not to harm me. If he is good, the stress that I am going through, the trial that I am going through, the test that I am going through, God's purpose is to enlarge on me. Nothing else. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. So you need to realize, you remember Peter. Peter failed the stress test. Remember? When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter denied him so terribly. All ran, but he denied. Nobody denied Jesus like Peter did. He failed the stress test. But God's purpose was not to disqualify him. It was to show him. Look at Luke 22, verse 32. Okay, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail when you have returned me. He says, you know what? My, I knew you, what you're going to go through. I know it. God, Father already showed to me what you're going to through. And I'm going to allow you to go through it. Not to disqualify you. To show you that even after three and a half years of walking with me, your faith is not enduring faith. When you come back, but I have prayed, that your faith will not fail you completely. You will come back. Okay, like David came back. Many people fall under the stress, then they come back. 
the prodigal son came back. When you come back, when you come back, strengthen your brethren so that from your experience you will teach them not to fail in the hour of trial. You got experience. The others have theory. So, what was meant for bad, I will turn it for good. So when people are going through trials and they want to give up their faith, you must strengthen them and say, don't do it. We can come through. I went through it. I denied him. You don't know my experience. I denied the Lord. The words to even to a servant girl I did. And he's merciful. He's kind. He restored me and gave me a ministry. So don't fail. You can come through because I came through. Strengthen your brethren. That's what he's talking about. Because like we say, experience is the best teacher. You can have theoretical faith and then you can have experience of faith. Okay? Not to spare. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. Jesus. Yeah. Can I have the next one fast, fast, fast so that we, we have time. I have time but people don't have time. They are very busy these days. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected. What does that mean? Mature. By he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So God is putting his son through the ringer. Literally through the ringer. Okay? And it is not like the washing machine's ringer which takes the water off in 10 minutes and pee, 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 you can take it out. For three and a half years, his son is on a ringer. Continuous. It's only the speed. Is, see, in the washing machine, it get decreases. In his case, it's increasing, 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 all the way to the cross. It's testing his faith. And the father has absolute confidence, my son will not fail. My son will not fail. My son will not fail me, and I will not fail my son. So on the cross, the abuse begins. If you are, if you are, nothing. He ignores this father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You see, his faith is under test. Under test. And his maturity of his character is being displayed. That's the maturity of a character. Is being displayed. And in the midst of his incredible pain, physical pain, abuse, scorn, shame, stripped naked, in the midst of it all, he's busy getting people into the kingdom. His ministry is not ending. Praying for people, parental responsibility, and the son's responsibility, mother, you go there, son, take care of her, okay? I won't be there, take care of her. That's it. Doing everything. And even in the last minute, Father, I commit my spirit. I, I trust you. I trust you. To the uttermost, he's mature. His faith is proved mature. And that's the faith we follow. James chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard about the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But you know what that man went through? And we see his end. Okay, In our case, we may see the end only there. <laughs> Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him. Those who love him, endure. It's an enduring love and an enduring faith. They don't quit. They don't quit. Polycarp, when he was burned on the stake, he was in his 80s when he was being taken because of his age and saintliness. They gave him one more chance. Please recant. Just say Jesus is not Lord and Caesar is Lord. Polycarp's reply was supposed to be, says, I'm 7 and 84 score years old. He has never been unfaithful to me. How can I be unfaithful to him now? 
and he went singing into the flames. Enduring faith. Okay. So there is only one way to know whether your faith is enduring or whether it will fail. What is it? Test it. There's no other way. There's no other way. Joseph was chosen to rule at the age of 70. The day you are born again, you are chosen to rule. But the question is, are you worthy to rule? It has to be tested. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And we say, hallelujah, until we read the next part. As I also overcame. He says, same, same question paper. How did I overcame? Through this path. What is your path? Same path. Father, Lord, can you give me a different question paper, please? <laughs> your life too difficult to imitate. Give me a simple one. God says no. Every overcomer comes to the same path. There is no two question papers. Only one path for everybody. The way I came. Paul, Peter will say, he has shown us a way which we follow. And that way, you, everybody picks only one verse from that whole, by his stripes I am healed. They don't look at the path. <laughs> Hallelujah, I claim that Lord, so I got a headache. By his God says, forget headache. Did you look at the pathway? Otherwise you come to heaven, you will be a headache for me. You know how we just pick verses which we like. Romans 8, 16 to 18. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. Wow, we love it. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. Ah, joint heir with Christ? Are you serious? Then comes the if. We don't like the ifs. We like the but. Oh, I am in such trouble. But God came. But this if is problematic. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's our problem. Right? For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed Ah, in us, meaning it's there, hidden. That day it will be displayed. We will see not glory that will be revealed on that day for you. No, he says already there inside. It will be just. The shell will be taken. It will be shown what you are. This body will be gone. And the soul will be revealed. And the soul will get a new body. And the body will show you how you came through. That is what God is talking about. Third one. Verse 4. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, mature and complete, lacking nothing. And it does not mean money. Immediately, oh, lacking nothing. I need to claim that. It does not mean money. It does not mean power. It does not mean any of these things. Okay. Jesus rarely had money, by the way. Sometimes he had to borrow. For an illustration, he had to borrow. We borrow pens, he borrowed money. The one thing he never lacked, he never lacked the faith to face any trial. That's why the Bible is lacking nothing. Lacking what? You have the faith and therefore the power, access to power. See, I don't need to carry money around. All I need is an ATM card or a credit card. Right? We don't need to carry tons of cash. Modern day we are talking about. All you need is faith. 
which you have faith, you have access to grace. And grace will allow you to overcome any trial. And that's what it means, lacking nothing. That's why he asked this question, Luke 22, verse 35. When I sent you without money back, knapsack, sandals, do you lack anything? They said, nothing. Okay. How come they lack nothing? Because they went on his faith, went on his anointing, went on his power. It was all given to them. So they lacked nothing. The question is this. Can God you send you with can God send you out with nothing? Except faith in him? Can God send you out with nothing? I have nothing. But I have something. I have faith in God. Absolute trust in the God who sent me. He sent me. That's all I have. I have his word. I have his spirit. That's all I have. God says, can you go like that? Remember that old Bachchan movie. Remember Shashi and Bachchan are separated at birth and then they come back together. And I think, yeah, I forgot the name of the movie. and Because uh, I have got to go to my school college days. So, Amitabh Bachchan is this goon. Lots of money, cards, bungalow, everything and all. Shashi is a simple, honest fellow with little. So, he says, Tumhara paas kya hai? Mera paas gaadi hai, bangla hai, ye hai, dewa hai. And Shashi says, Mera paas ma hai. Mother stays with him. Mera paas ma hai. Finished. Can you say that? I lack nothing. Meaning, I have Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So it does not matter if you do not have the Son what you have. May the president of a country, king of a nation, queen of a nation, the palace and the bodyguards and the money and the ambience, but you do not have life. He who has the son lacks nothing. But he who does not has the son, even when he is living, he is already dead. He does not have life. Does not have life. That's what God is saying. He lacks nothing. Why? Because he knows by faith he has access to God. That's all you need. You have access to God. Faith gives you access to the very throne room of God. And that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need anything more. Okay. How did God send his son? Nothing. Born of the spirit. That's all. What did it come, come, come with? The spirit of the father. And that's all I need. How were we born again? With the Spirit of God. If you listen to the Spirit of God and obey the Spirit of God, everything that you needed will be added. What you need will be added. Okay. How did God send Moses to Egypt? How did he say? He said, okay. Uh, you shall take this rod in your hand, which we shall do. How did he go with a stick? How did he go to Egypt? The greatest king, the greatest army, the more powerful nation on earth, how did an old man go with a stick? How did he send it? Just with the stick. Next verse, he says he went. Moses took his wife, his son, set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and he took the rod of God. It's not a rod of Moses anymore. It's the rod of God in his hand. That's how he went. That's all he had. And you will see that's all he needed. For the next 40 years, he didn't need one thing except that. Before the Pharaoh, this. Every time, 
this. Red Sea, this. No water, this. Amalekites attack, this. All he needed was this. And one thing hidden in the Bible which I will reveal is when God buried him somewhere in the mountain, he buried the rod also. Otherwise they would have worshipped the rod. That's why the rod of Moses is never mentioned after that in the Bible. Never buried. Remember the bronze snake, what they did with that? <laughs> it became Nahustan. But the rod of Moses is never mentioned because they could not find it. <laughs> God hid it. Okay, God hid it. He buried it. Lacking nothing. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is Paul saying? I lack nothing. I lack nothing. What has he reached? He has reached the purpose of the test. And when he's writing that, he's still in prison. But he says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. And God says, do you understand what God is trying to take us through? Hmm? So my question to you today now is this. Do you have faith for all seasons? If God takes away your money, will you endure? God takes away your faith, will you endure? God takes away your children, will you endure? God breaks your marriage, not God, your marriage breaks. God doesn't break marriages, but marriages break. If your marriage breaks, will you endure? If God allows your health to be taken away, will it endure? Because there is a gospel that is being preached where none of this is taken away. But will it endure? For all purposes, everything was taken away by job. His wealth was gone, his health was gone, his children was gone. And he was practically a single man because his wife said, why don't you kill yourself and leave me alone? So, technically, his marriage also collapsed. He had nothing left. But his faith endured. You know what he said? For those who do not know new believers, Job arose and tore his robe. Because the grief is real. What happened is real. And shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. What did he do? He worshipped. What did he say? Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know why he is put there even in the new covenant as an example of patience? Because he had enduring faith. It was a faith that could be tested. Tested. Matthew 26.30 When they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. They sang a hymn. Their heart was different. He sang a hymn along with them. But he knows where he is going. Can he go to the cross singing? He's on his last journey. He's going to the cross. Garden of Gethsemane, then to the cross. How did he go? Singing a hymn. I'm sure he must have picked the song. And they had no clue. What is his heart singing this song? Right? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice. And they're looking, okay? <laughs> People and all say, we shall rejoice. A little later, everything turns black. But he went singing. He went singing. He went singing. Because he knows. My father has decided to the cross. 
to the cross I go. How do I go? Singing. So my question is, can you endure? Can you endure every season of life? Because the year has seasons. You have spring. You have summer. You have autumn. You have winter. That is seasons. But life also has it. And the word season is winter. I see all the pictures on the DPs of all my friends abroad. Everybody is standing in the snow. Somebody called me yesterday from US and said, 14 feet of snow. <laughs> snow. And nobody likes winter. <coughs> Freezing. What if you go through the winter of your life? Does your faith endure? The devil attacks you at the winter of your life. The worst time of your life. The coldest time of your life. Can you endure? Look at the next verse again. Benaiah was the son of Jehodeah, son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. You know, 20 years ago, I was in my kitchen cooking my next meal before I had to go for a meeting with the underground church. And I had a tape somebody had given me and I was listening while I was cooking and I heard this verse. And that preacher from somewhere, I don't know, is saying that, can you kill a lion that comes into the pit? You went to escape the winter. Can you still fight? And it still rings in my mind, Twenty exactly 20 years later. still rings. It is cold. He's looking for a pit to get something warm. And he gets in the pit, there is a lion, and he kills the lion still. He says, can you? That's faith. That is faith. Okay. It's winter. It is snowing. In a pit. You get to escape. Who waits for you there? The lion. And you still kill the lion. You know, Old Testament pictures. Do you have that faith? Resilience. Okay, resilience. The faith of Daniel's three friends. Because the fire was not just heated. It was heated seven times over. The people who threw them died. But their faith sustained that fire. The only thing the fire did was burn the ropes that bound them. They had both freedom and liberty. When they were outside, they had freedom, but no liberty. But when they were thrown into the fiery trial, they had both liberty and freedom. And the king stood up and said, did we didn't throw them bound? Didn't we throw just three people? They are walking, and there is a fourth one walking with them. Looks like the son of God. That's what God is talking about. Hmm? That's what God is talking about. Can our faith be tested? Tested. That's why I keep telling you young people, the best time to be tested is when you are young. I started young. Packed my bags and decided, you know what? Like the old crusaders, I'm going to make my own life. I had little faith and I said, my five books, my Bible and my life, I'm going to start this journey. I just 22 or 23 or something. Just started this journey. 3,000 miles away from my house in a strange land in a cold wintry night I reached. I was so tired and weary that the box fell from my hands and the bed holder from my shoulder standing in a strange country. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start. And the next two years, those books sustained me. And my good news Bible. Good news. Good news. Okay? Not even NIV. Good news. So God says, can your faith sustain you? Can you go? Because you have to choose those. Make those. Don't choose a comfortable life. If you choose a comfortable life, you will never grow. You will never grow. 
See, never grow. Saul had a comfortable life. David had a difficult life. Solomon had a comfortable life. These both failed. The fellow in the middle really stayed till the end. Because he had a tough life. Tough life. And his faith became undefeatable because of what he went through. Went through. And God says, choose. Choose. You can make your choices. <laughs> Hear from God and make your choices. Faith is a choice. Sight is a choice. Faith is a choice. Fourth one. Verse 5. If any of you lacks, look at the contest. Consider joy when you go through trials of various kinds. Because the testing of your faith, so your trial is connected with your faith. Your faith is being tested through the trial. Produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance, when it has completed its work, will make you mature, perfect, and you complete, and you lack nothing. And then, advice. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Meaning, when you go through trial, what do we ask for? Money. That's our problem. Because we think money is the answer to every problem. If you're going through divorce, what will money do except pay the lawyer? He takes your money. If a child is going through, going crazy, rebellious, crazy, what is money going to do? If you got cancer, what is money going to do? Think about it. You can use money in the worldly way to subvert the system. But in the kingdom of God, what are you going to do? What, are you going to, what, are you, what do you ask? This is people's problem because they do not look at scripture. Because people always will ask for money. <laughs> ask for help. Will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help me? You know what God is saying? When you are going facing your trials and your testing, what you need is wisdom. Because if you have wisdom, you will know the way out. I have kept a way out for you. But you will only discover it with my wisdom. God will not test you beyond your capacity. Beyond you can bear. But he's also kept one door open. The problem is I don't know the door. How do I need to understand the door? Find the door? I need his wisdom. I need the wisdom. And God says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And the last thing we ask is for wisdom. Wisdom. I believe Joseph was smart. He asked for wisdom. Lord, my brothers have sold me. Here I am, I am on a slave block. Bought by some Egyptian general. I'm the only Hebrew. I don't know their language. I don't know their culture. I don't know anything about them. I'm going in as a slave. But I remember what you showed me. Now I'm in this situation. I have no clue what to do. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And God was with him. What does it mean? God's wisdom was with him. God's presence was with him. But what did he need? He needed God's wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. A little later, the way he was working was different from the others who were working. And the Lord looked and said, You know what? Whatever this guy is doing, it's, it's coming out well. It's coming out well. Let me put him in charge of bigger things and bigger things and bigger things. And finally, he's in charge of everything. You know what? It's wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. That's what he did. And second stage, again it is wisdom. Finally, when he stands before the Pharaoh and he gives his answer, the Pharaoh says, you know what? This guy, can you find somebody like this? Such a man like this? It's as if the Spirit of God is speaking through. What is he actually complimenting? His wisdom. He says, you know what, you already predicted a calamity and a solution. You know, I don't think there's anybody who can handle it. You handle it. You are next to me now. 
But what was he actually going through? <laughs> he was going through trials. Trials. And what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. And wisdom took him to the top. He brought him out of every trial. See, if you are thrown into prison, you cannot escape prison until your term is over. But one thing you knew, how do I get the warden's eye on me? That's all you need. Like I said, in life you don't need the help of too many people. Only two or three people who matter. I want help from you. No, you don't need. But before these two or three people matter, you need the help of God. Because even the hand, heart of the king is in the hand of our God. So you don't try to please all these people. If you please God, he will see that you have favor with these people. That is what Bible says. Daniel had favor. Daniel had favor. Daniel had favor. Because Daniel only sought God's favor. He was a wise man. That is the wisdom of God. Instead, we try to seek the favor of everybody and end up with nobody's favor. Well, these smart guys sought the favor of God. So he says, anybody lacks, what should you do? Seek? That's for wisdom. Turn to First Kings chapter 3, 5 and then 7 to 13. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God asked, ask, what shall I give you? Ah, if we were arguing in a dream, what shall I ask you? Lord, can I really ask everything? Yeah, anything you want. Really? Can I be number one on Forbes list, please? Fortune 500 company, the first one can I be? You know what he asked? Look at verse 7 to 13. Now, O Lord, my God, you made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. What did he ask for? This one. He said, you can ask anything. You can ask for anything. You know what this guy asked? He said, give me wisdom. Therefore, yeah, God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor asked for life of your enemies, but asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And, and I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. What did he ask for? Wisdom. What did Joseph ask for? Wisdom. Did he have honor and riches than anybody else? Yes, he did. What did he ask? He asked for wisdom. God says, if anyone lacks in your fiery trials, in your tribulation, in your testing, what do you need to ask? Ask for wisdom. Lord, teach me. First, teach me what are you teaching me. And teach me the way out of this. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. That is Jehoshaphat. Teach me your ways. These people are too great for me. Teach me your ways. I have to take them from point A to point B. I don't know how to navigate. I don't know this. Okay, I was prince of Egypt. I was mighty in words, deeds. But that's a different thing. I'm throwing my academic credentials out of the window. You teach me. I need your wisdom. I knew wisdom. And the Bible says God gives liberally. He gives liberally. He's not a conjuice. He's not a miser. 
He said, if I am your father, you are my child, you ask for my help, I will give you my help. I will give you my wisdom. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Through wisdom, a house is built. How do you build it? Rise up and build. How do you build? Through wisdom. This is not man's wisdom. This is not a wisdom we get from academia. This is the wisdom of God. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's talking about our life. It's talking about our life. If God were to come and take an inventory of the rooms in my life, does he find anything precious? Does he find anything pleasant riches over there? No. That's what happens if uh, no, you, you young couples, they take a house after they're married and this thing and when they call us, you know, every room is set up and say, come, come see your house, come over see your pleasant riches in it. Little, little, little things, you know, little lightings over, some pebbles over there, all kind of things are there, right, sir? All kind of things are there. Okay. Yeah, that's what God is saying. Through wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the room. Did you ask? You're not busy building your houses, right? Everyone is building. Let him be wise, careful about how he builds. There's a foundation stone. You didn't lay it. I laid it. I'm the author of your faith. After that, everyone is building. Be careful how you build. Did you ask me for wisdom? I see construction going on. Much construction going on. Did it stand the test? That inspection of God with fire that day? That's what he's saying. And he says, when you ask, James chapter 1 verse 6, don't waver. Don't waver. Don't waver like this. Your faith should become rock solid like Abraham's at the end. Staggering not with disbelief. But the most difficult trial this man is facing when you are 99 years old, you are dead in your body. Your wife is dead in your body. God comes and says, you're going to have a child. If he had told him 10 years, 15 years, 20, 25 years, in Genesis 15, if he had told him all that, it's a different thing he could believe. But now at that time, you're coming, you're an old, old man. And your wife is as good as dead. And God comes and says, next year, you'll have a child. And through her, by you, not surrogate mother, not surrogate father, not adopted child, your own. The Bible says he did not stagger in unbelief. Don't waver. Don't waver. Don't waver. Once God has spoken and you received his wisdom, keep building. You know, 13 years we have not staggered. We continued preaching the word, continued preaching long. People have come, people have left. But online, around the world, people have only increased. Those who are hungry are eating. They are feeding. If we, less, we listen to the scoffers who can watch movies for hours, read manuals and newspaper for hours together. I've seen people, they get their newspaper in the morning from, I was one of them. I read even the advertisement, including the government advertisement tenders I read. Nobody reads government tenders. I read that also. Because there was nothing to read. So from morning till evening, you read the newspaper cover to cover. And these people complain, the word is too long. It is not the people who do not read or cannot. People who read, 
and watch movies, complain. The word is to But we did not waver. We will not waver. I'm not saying we will not make changes and all that, but I'm saying in the main thing, we will not waver. Once you've heard something that we heard, you're a teaching church. You're not an evangelizing church that the people are asked to do. But a church purpose, GDC, Hyderabad's purpose is to teach. The others will do the work and they do wonderful evangelism. We are called to teach, equip the believers, not even evangelize. The question is, will you waver? Don't waver. Stay steady. Don't doubt. It's not like one day you are on a high, that is the wave, and then one day gone. ECG. It's ECG, right? Is it ECG, Dr. Richard? That uh, that graph, no? That, like heart? Huh? Yeah, ECG. It's like that. One day high, one day high. One day. Beep, 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 beep. How is your face? Beep, 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 beep. Says no. Let's say. Are you steady? When you ask God something, stay steady. You have heard, or you know it is according to the will of God. There's no doubt about it. Salvation of my children. Is it according? Of course it is according. It's not the will of God that any man should perish. How much more your own children? Are you were you saved? Yes. Aren't your children automatically set apart for God by the faith of your parents? Yes. Then why do you stop praying? Why do you stagger in unbelief? Won't he hear the prayer of his elect who cry out to him day and night? He says, yes. Then why did he stop praying? Because you didn't believe. So now get back and start praying. I am not done with you or I am not done with them. Not done with you or done with them. So we need to understand. What's the nature of my faith? Does it waver? Does it stagger when I ask? Do I have staggering faith? Or faith that does not waver. When he asks, let him ask in faith without doubt. His faith does not doubt. His faith does not stagger. Because a double-minded man will receive nothing from God. One mind. The whole process of trials is to bring us to one mind. One mind. When we come to one mind, God says, I can. You see, he's, he's achieving his purposes through it all. Fifth one, James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, trials, temptations, tests. For when he has been approved, you have to be approved, he will receive the crown of life. So if you have failed, don't get upset. He will give you the same test over and that's what we teachers did. Somebody fails in a test, come back, give him the same test again. Until he passes. That's what God does. Are you failing? Retest. Retest. There is no limit. Universities have limit. You can only try two times, three times, four times. After that, go find another university. Not God with his children. (laughs) Not God with his children. He says, I will, until the day you die, I will keep on give you the same test until you... Is, are you approved? Yeah, put some of those lights off. We don't need all of that on the inverter. He says, are you approved? Can you be approved? Yeah. He says, are you approved? When you are approved, what will you receive? The crown of life. Now, it's not talking about something in eternity future. It's not necessarily talking about something that will happen in the future. 
when Jesus climbs, you will get receive a crown. No, it is talking about now. But the kingdom of God is within you. One day it will become without, but right now it is within you. And the nature of the kingdom is that the kingdom always reigns. And reigning is connected with the crown. Romans 5.17 and 5.21. For why one man's offense, death reigned through that one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. In He says, are you reigning by grace? Are you reigning? Are you reigning? That's what I'm talking about, 2020. Are you finishing well? You have dealt with your issues? Broken the power of sin over your life? And you are reigning now? Do you have a crown of life? The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Through his lies, his deception, he steals. But I have come to give you life. That is a reigning life. That reigns over sin. He says, are you reigning? Are you reigning? Romans 6.14 for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What has dominion over you? What is the domain you are ruling? Are you do ruling the domain of sin? <laughs> or are you ruling over sin? What are you ruling? That's what it is. Do you have the crown of life? When he is approved, when the man has come through his trials, testings and temptations, he is approved. Joseph was approved. He's asking, are you bringing your flesh under domination? Or is the flesh dominating you? Right? So it doesn't matter what your state in the world is, your position in the world is. The question is, are you reigning inside or not? Joseph is a slave, but he's reigning. Potiphar is reigned by anger. Mrs. Potiphar by lust. But Joseph is reigning in life. That's what God is saying. So who is the king there in God's eyes? Joseph. Joseph is the king. So God said, it doesn't matter what you are in the office. It doesn't matter. Don't look at your title and all. Don't bother about that. The question is, in your home, in your office, in your church, in the world, are you reigning or not? That is the crown of life. What is the purpose of these tests and trials and temptation to see whether you have the crown of life, whether he can give you? Because once you are approved, what does he give you? The crown of life. So it didn't matter where Joseph was. In his father's house, in Potiphar's house, in the prison, or Egypt. He reigned. Did you know he reigned? He did not allow the flesh to reign him. His brothers hated him, but he loved them. His brothers wouldn't speak to him, but he went in search of them. His brothers sold him, but he never held it in his heart. So he reigned. Potiphar's house, he reigned. He did not look at his past and say, I am poor me. He worked well. False accusation was thrown into prison. He prospered there. Because he was reigning. He was reigning. That's what God is talking about. Reigning is inside, not outside. You can reign outside and be an absolute failure inside. That was King Saul, sitting on the throne with a spear. Angry, miserable man. Trying to kill everybody who comes. Nobody comes near him. Because he's such an angry man. Are you sitting like that? An angry person. Nobody wants to come anywhere near you. What is reigning? You are not reigning. Sin is reigning over you. Isn't that what you told Cain? Pastor Vijay preached crouching. Hmm? Crouching tiger. Sin is crouching. And some people, sin is not crouching. It's raining. It's raining. It's sitting on your head. Sin is sitting on your head and rolling from there. In anger and bitterness and jealousy, you can't go near them. 
That's pitiless like acid. Burns. It leaves marks on your face. Even Sara is laughing. She understood the humor. <laughs> and God is saying, what is raining? What's your problem? When sinners flock to Jesus, they fled from the Pharisees. Because in one, grace was raining. In the other, law was raining. Law brings death. Grace brings life. God says, what is raining? What is the way you always find? Oh, that one did this to me, that one did this to me, this one did this to me. It's a law. You're always condemned. <laughs> so now why are you complaining? That one is not coming, this one is not coming, that one is not coming. You are alone, right? Why are you complaining? But when grace reigns, grace reigns. That was Jesus. That's what God is asking. Do you have a crown of life? Proverbs 25 verse 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. God says 2020. Did you build those walls? Walls of salvation? Gates of praise? Did you, did you build it? Do you have control? Do you have the crown of life? Because God says the issues of the life comes from the heart. Did you deal with your heart? Did you build these walls of salvation in your heart? So what comes out of your heart is life and not death. What is in the heart is revealed through usually the eyes, the expression and the words. How does it come? Hmm? Children are very good. Little children. Children are very good. They are very perceptive in their innocence. They will say, don't go to him, grumpy old man. Not <laughs> me, they don't tell me. Now talking, grumpy old woman, grumpy, don't go. I notice children, children are very, very perceptive. Nobody taught them that. They know it very well. Hmm? You want to reach heaven and God says, you go sit there and whole heaven says, grumpy old man sitting there for eternity. A lot of people see God like that, grumpy old man. God is not a grumpy old man. He's almost the kindest father you will ever meet in life. No. So God says, how, is it, how, how are your walls? Can you rule over your spirit? If you rule over your spirit, you control what comes out. The devil rules over you because you have no control over what comes out. What comes out. You know? That's what God is saying. Conversation seasoned with salt. The tongue of the instructor to lift the weary. God says, how are you? How are you? City broken down or city built up? 2020 was a year, year of building up. No? Building up. No? Does your faith endure? Does your love endure? It's all part of the same thing. Trials testing, faith is tested, love is tested. First Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love suffers long. That's not a dif difficult part. It's kind. That is a difficult part. Because everybody suffers. The question is, in their suffering, are you still kind? Because everybody has love. And the love suffers and is unkind. <laughs> we have. They break up everything. They scratch. They bite. They hit. They even murder. I suffered too much here. 
that's not what God is saying. I'm putting you through the test in your marriage. I'm putting you through the test in your home. I'm putting you a test in that workplace. You're suffering, I see it. But he says, are you kind? Are you kind? Yusuf was kind. After so many years, his brothers has come. And he's wearing Egyptian garments, full length sleeves, everything. So they can't even see the chains, marks. The marks around his neck. He's the one who would always wear a tie. <laughs> no, no. Wearing a tie is okay. I'm not aware. You see, my difference is that when I went to work, I always wore a tie and a suit. I had to. Six days a week, I had to wear a suit. On the seventh day, I wore casuals to church. Okay? So, Joseph is seven days suit because they can't see the marks. And then he sees the people who are responsible for those marks right before him. And you know what he was? He was kind to them. Kind to them. You would say, this was the day, this was the day I was waiting for. I was waiting for. My enemies are at my footstool. Nothing. He says, feed them, put their money back and send them home. I want them to know what they have done. Come to repentance. I'm not angry. Vengeance is not mine. That's not my job. You know, I want to bring them to salvation. I'm not angry with them. I'm not mad with them. My silence does not mean I am angry. You are silent. When God is silent, he's not angry. He's not angry. When God doesn't reveal himself to you, he's not angry. He just wants you to come back to you the right way. Joseph was silent. And Joseph did not reveal himself. But once they were churned in their insides and they all came back and said, this is what we did. We shouldn't have done to him. Do you remember his cry? And he heard, he went inside and he wept. Then finally when he saw Benjamin and the whole thing, he heard Judah just saying he couldn't stop. Then he revealed himself because he knew the purpose of their trial has been fulfilled. They have come to repentance, no more in hiding. I am Joseph. Then Jesus will reveal to you because repentance has done its work. You have come to what he wants. He says, here I am. I was never far away. I was there. I was taking care of you through all this, but I was waiting for you to ready to receive me. You know? That's what the Bible is talking about. Love suffers long and is kind. This kind. Do you have that kind of enduring love? That enduring faith? Faith? The love faith are all connected. You cannot disconnect these things. They are all part of the same fruit. That is why it is called, it is not called the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love and faith is part of the same fruit. You cannot have one without the other. And the Bible warns about not having one without the other because it is very dangerous. I did not even know you. They had faith but no love. And the sixth one, and the final one, James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Therefore be patient. What is the purpose of all this? So that we learn patience. Brethren, till when? Until the coming of the Lord. Ah, not be patient for five days, six days, until your death or the coming of the Lord. One or the two. Until the day you die. Or the coming. So when they were all writing, they will never talk about death because everybody is living in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. They don't mention death. They always mention the coming of the Lord. Each one lived in the coming. They never talk about death. They talk about coming of the Lord. Only towards the end they realize, okay, he's not coming in my lifetime, so I'm ready to go to him. But they always write in the time, in the coming of the Lord. So how long should I be patient in the midst of my trial, in my testing? 
until the coming of the Lord. Meaning, he says, in some cases, your trial will only end with your death or with the coming of the Lord. So, I will not ask you to give up before that. Meaning, in some trials, there is no way out. The only way out is death. What does he tell the church at Smyrna? Be faithful unto death. You are going into prison and nobody is going to rescue you. I am not going to send an angel to get you out. Be faithful unto death. Your trial will end up on the other side. So, be patient till then. God does not have one cap at all. You have to hear from you personally. Hear from him personally. Till when? Till coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Okay. Meaning when you hold in patiently, the coming of the Lord is much nearer than it is. Because you you experience His presence. Revelation 6, 9 and 11. 9 to 11. When He opened the fifth seal, this is in heaven, okay? I saw the altar, under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for, these are martyrs, of the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And a white robe was given to each one of them. This probably are Old Testament martyrs. okay? And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So what was God telling them? Even in heaven, one lesson you have to learn. Be patient. <laughs> Be patient. Be patient. Old Testament saints, you did not learn the lesson. Learn patience. Because New Testament saints will not cry for avenge. Because they were not under law. They were under grace. The ones who are under law and reach, they are saying, how long? God says, Be patient. You haven't learned the lesson yet. So even in heaven, people are learning patience. So how much more on earth? Second Peter, as we winding down, my brother-in-law was telling last night when I say winding down, that means another 30 minutes. Second Peter chapter 3, <laughs> 8 and 9. But beloved, powerful words, do not forget. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering or patient. He endures our junk. A holy, pure, righteous God endures our sin. Endures our sin. Endures our sin. One of the mothers was telling me last year, you know, what I am enduring? I am enduring my baby. Why? She has got the runs. She's already changed 20 nappies. Changing nappies is fun. Cleaning up the baby is fun. No, but the mother is enduring it. What is he enduring? Literally enduring the crap. You know what God says? Looks at humanity, looks at his church. He says, no, I've been enduring your crap. <laughs> my son did it all. Paid the price. I gave you the word. I gave you my spirit. I gave you the church. I'm still enduring your Long suffering, patient. And how does he see it? Oh, Lord, how long have you been suffering your children? He says, Do you know that, my children? They are my children. So it's 
Jacob's love for Rachel was like a few days. God's love for 2,000 years is like two days. God's love suffers long and is still kind. And he says, it's momentary. Gabriel will ask, how long? Lord? This is momentary, only two days. No, Gabriel, why are you in a hurry? <laughs> only two days. I can handle it. They are my children. You know what God is saying? Why are these things important? Because we need to learn, I told you, there are attributes of a king. Because we are being prepared for royalty. For reigning. One is mercy. Only king can extend mercy. Esther is going. And the king shows his scepter. That means you have mercy. Only a king can show grace. Only a king can show patience. Patience. That's a part of royalty. He can show patience. Part of royalty. Patience is part of royalty. He can take it. He's saying, I can take it. No problem. Because if he's impatient, the person dies. Okay, Shemai was throwing. And he said, shall we cut the, the, the head of this dog? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. The Lord will submit it. Leave it alone. That's a king. Is he on the throne? No. Is he reigning? No, he's running. But he's still a king. Still a king. Okay. That's what God is talking about. Patience, endurance is a royal attribute. And God says, do you have it? That's what I am working. Basically, he's saying, are you kingly material? We forget God's priority for you and me is not health or wealth, not even service. For service, he's got billions of angels. His priority is to conform us to the image of his son. Romans 8.29 For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So whatever it takes, he will do it. I have been called for service. He says, no. That is all secondary. Through the service, you should become like my son. Otherwise, the service is useless. The purpose of the service is to become like that. That's why he says, your labor of love and your work of faith and the hope of glory, the patience of your hope, Thessalonians says. He says, the whole purpose of your work, if through your work you haven't become like me, the work is wasted. Work is wasted. No? That's what the whole, I mean, we have bakers and cookers and all our, not cookers, cooks and all our. <laughs> okay. Now some cooks are cookers. They're always exploding. <laughs> My question to you is that, that is your service. That is your service. Through that service, have you become better and better and better? Then the service is wasted if it hasn't. So God is not looking for servants. God is not. He doesn't need servants. I mean, if you look in the book of Revelation, one angel did what servants couldn't do in 2,000 years. It spread the whole gospel. It's written, one angel who goes and does the gospel. I mean, one angel spread the whole gospel, what men couldn't do in 2,000 years. So God is not looking for our help. He's saying, I'm allowing you to help me so that through it you become like my son. And if we haven't, then whatever profession we are doing it, we have failed him. You may be a doctor, you may be a nurse, you may be a computer analyst, you may be a pastor, you may be a housewife, a mother, whatever. The entire, that's what about the woman, it is says, through childbearing she will be saved. What does it mean? A salvation in the childbearing? He knows. He says, no, the mother's places are home and children are difficult. Through it all you will become loving, kind, Patient, enduring, that's the part of your So You will become like my son. My son. 
And he says, that's the where. And man, he says, you go out and work. The earth is cursed. The ground is cursed. You're going to struggle. But through it all, you will be become like my son. That's the whole purpose. That he might be the firstborn. And he said, for my son, I didn't give him any other way. For you, I don't give any other way. That is the thing. Ephesians 1, 4. That is what it means. That he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame. Mature. Ripe. Pakka. Pakka. Raw mango you can only make achar. Pakka mango. Ripe mango. No wonder we call it the king of the fruits. No? God, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for. Can you be mature? I'm putting you through this process. So that you have no character flaw in heaven to rule for eternity. And the only way you will know it and we will be approved is tests, trials and temptations. First Peter chapter 4, 12 to 14. Beloved, do not think it is strange. Don't think it is even strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though something strange is something. He says, don't think it's strange. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Are you going through trouble? Yeah. It's not strange. It's normal. Pastor, I am going through this. Before I got saved, it was okay after. It's normal. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> Honestly telling me, before I was saved, I was the happiest man on earth. But after I saved, trouble struck began. But then this side, this side of salvation, I had happiness. This side, I had joy and trouble. But rejoice, not be happy. Rejoice to the extent that you partake Christ's suffering. So he says, you have to reevaluate your life. How much are you suffering? I am suffering much. This is suffering compared to only one standard. This is the standard, Christ Jesus. This is the standard. How much is your suffering? This much. Oh, only then suffer, only rejoice that much. I heard one day, uh, two of my kids talking, the daughter and the son. The son was saying, uh, Papu was, was very small, two of them talking. Papu was very mad at me and he whacked me. She is telling him, you got whacked? Nothing. When he whacked me, he broke the ladle. They are comparing sufferings. So God is saying, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. How much of you have partaken of Christ's sufferings? That is the extent of your joy. Lord, did he, that's what the apostles went with. We were counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Christ Jesus. So if you are not suffering because of righteousness, God does not consider you worthy. To Babies, leave them alone. Leave them alone. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What is the joy now? And what is the joy then? Then you will say, yes, 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 yes. Thank you Lord for those sufferings. Thank you Lord for the sufferings. The glory is being, if it had been there, I wouldn't have been glorified now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Are you being reproached for the name of Christ? Blessed are you. Why? Because if you are reproached for the name of Christ, the spirit of glory and of God rests, uh, rests upon you. On their part, 
He's blasphemed. But on your part, He's glorified. This is a different picture on earth and picture in heaven. But even when Stephen was being stoned, they looked at him and said, His face is shining like that of an angel. Look at him. Are you being reproached? Are you being reproached? The picture is different in the spiritual realm and on the earthly realm. He says, you have to fundamentally change the way you think about life. This is not a prosperity message. We are talking about the prosperity of the soul. That is what even he said. May you prosper in all things, even as your soul prosper. This is the prosperity of the soul. Can you endure? Hebrews 13, 15. The last one minute. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer what? Ah, that's why sacrifice has come there. Understood? Our praise has no sacrifice. What is when you go through fiery trials and testings? Hallelujah, Lord. I just thank you. I will still thank you. I don't understand this, but I understand one thing. You're worthy to be praised. And I will still sing songs in my bonds, in my chains, in my sufferings, in my trials, in my testings. I will not allow the enemy to steal my song. I will still sing to your glory. I will still praise you. I will still worship you. It becomes sacrifice. And it is not only a sacrifice of praise. It is not a sacrifice of endurance. It is a sacrifice of praise. You are praising him through it all. It is not only your sacrifice of praise. It is continually. It is consistent. It's not only, oh, when pastor priest, and I got it, I'm all zizzed up. Now, Peter, come here, let us praise. And then when you go, have praise is stopped. No, that's not. Continually offer the praise of sacrifice. There's always a song in your mouth. It is real. It is coming from within, not enforced from outside. But the worship leader says, raise your hands, clap your hands, move your hips. No! <laughs> it's not that. It is real. It's real. It's coming from within. Whether you are alone or whether you are this thing, the joy of the Lord is real and there is praise that is coming out of your mouth. Do you know the context in which it is said? When the sacrifice of praise comes, because you have taken real strategic moves according to your faith. Look at the verse 12 onwards. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. He was rejected. He was an outcast. They took him up and suffered him outside, crucified him outside. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. That is your trial. You also went out. I don't want to, I don't want to be part of this club. I am part of another club who have left the camp of this world, identified with the Savior, taking his reproach, bearing his reproach, and then what happens? There comes out of you a sacrifice of praise. That is the context. That is verse 16. You have to read 12 and 13. For we have no continuing city. I don't see anything permanent in this world, but we seek the one to come. My eyes are on the heavenly city. Therefore, by him, by him, by him, he showed us the way. He went singing to the cross. I will also go singing to my cross. He was singing with the cross all the days of his life. I will also sing as I carry the cross. And God says, this is the enduring faith. Enduring praise. So the question God asks finally is, can you praise him in the midst of reproach? Can you praise him when you are excluded from the elite company in the world? Can you? Will your faith endure? That is the question he asks. Six things we look today. And with that we will close. Six things. 
2020. Final message from here for 2020. Evening we'll meet at church. But these are the questions God is asking. Rise up and build. And we need to know how did we build? How did we build? Where am I? Look an honest check. Yes, look here everybody. We are finishing. Don't worry about the finish. Internet is working, no? Yeah. Okay. So God is. Hmm? Okay. So the simple question is this. Where do we stand? Where do we stand? Did I rise up? Did I build? What is the state of my faith? Where do I stand in God's scale? I don't know. Each one. We have to ask God. God will tell us. Where do I stand? Because we are moving into in a few hours. And the 12 hours time we will be in another year. No, we need to ask ourselves. No. The tests I went through this year. How did I, how did I come through? Can God say you were patient? Can God say you endured? No. We endured situations. We have to endure people. And still be kind on the other side. Okay, because basically you end your people. <laughs> Where does your trial come from? People, no people, no trial. <laughs> no trial. <laughs> trial is from people. But the question is, God said, were you patient? Did you endure? Did you take it well? Did it come out better on the other side? Are you still kind? Okay. Or was it the accusing finger? That God is saying. Saul could not be redeemed because he would never accept responsibility. But David did. And he endured. Until the end, he finished well. That's what God is saying. So this morning, as we close, let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you for 365 days, O Lord. If there was a leap year, maybe 66 days. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We look back and we see, Lord, you were unbelievably kind to us. You suffered long. You really, really suffered long and we made you suffer. But you were kind. You had faith that persevered with us. And I pray, Lord, we will have persevering faith, enduring faith, a faith that is patient. Like the farmer waits he has planted. He's got the first rain. He's still waiting. He's waiting for the latter rain. After that, he's waiting for the harvest. He knows, O oh Lord, the harvest. He has to wait for it. And we also, I pray, will have that same patience to wait. Because God is faithful. What he has promised will come to pass. And we too will wait patiently. Working on us. Allowing your spirit to work on us. Allowing your word to reach dwelly in us. Suffer long in this world because of the reproach. Because we refuse to be part of the world. The reproach, the shame. Ostracized. Excommunicated. Many. Unkind world. But we still remain kind to the world around us. Because that's how you were. They mocked you. They slandered you. They flogged you. Ultimately, they hung you on the cross. But the word of God says you went around doing good and delivering everyone who was oppressed of the devil. It's never written that you went around doing bad. You went around doing good. And that's what you're looking for us. If you are the firstborn of many, that many has to be like the firstborn. 
Help us not to forget the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is to conform us to the image of your Son. It's not prosperity. It's not wealth. It is not health. It's not success. It is not fame. None of these things matter. If the image of your Son is not imprinted in us. And if it is, all these things will be given one day. We will be unbelievably successful when he says, take charge and reign forever. We will be unbelievably healthy. The glory of the new body can be never be imagined. We will be prosperous beyond means. We will walk on the streets of gold and live in mansions not built by the hands of men. But now, it's the testing time. And I pray, Lord, everyone will build. Build with material that doesn't corrupt. It cannot be corrupted. With material that isn't wear off or rust. But with stuff that is of heaven. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Faith unto faith. And from grace unto grace will be the story of our lives. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. All your children around the world, everywhere, here, listening, I bless them in your name. May the hand of God rest upon everyone. And lo and be disheartened by what they are going through. Let them know when the Spirit of the Lord comes, their glory too will be revealed. When the Son of God comes in the clouds. Oh, the day of joy. No pain, no sickness, no sorrow, nothing. It's just joy unbounded. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. We praise you. We just want to thank you for this whole year, Lord. We want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.